G'day everybody and welcome to episode 29 of Chronicle Ch- Chambers, the X-Band Phantom Podcast. I'm Joe and with me is Stephen and Jermaine. How are you guys? I'm good, Joe. And yourself? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good, thank you. Yourself, Mark? Yeah, I'm well. Alright, well this uh, episode... This episode we're talking about our top three. So the top three of various categories um, that we feel are our favourite three things um, in regards to the Phantom. Now, of course, these are our own opinions. So, you know, if we don't mention your favourite artist right. uh, or writer... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we don't mention your favourite artist <laughs> or writer, it's not that you know they're not any good, it's just we might prefer someone else better and like Jermaine said we're right anyway <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'll just put a warning out there I'm probably the most underprepared I've ever been for this I, I don't think I've come up with top three for any of the categories we've put up yet so I, I might be um, just uh, going off to see my pants as, as we walk through it oh, that's alright mate it'll make a change for me give a review if you might yeah <laughs> it'll be, make a change for me being the least re- prepared for these things <laughs> Righto. Um, well, let's just get straight into it. So, for our top three, the first top three we're going to talk about is our favourite three writers. Um, Jermaine, do you want to start with this? Alright, well, one of the things we try to do is not to keep, not to choose the same um, as everyone else. Like, you know, obviously it'd be pretty easy to choose the same same writers and the discussion would be pretty boring. So with with that in um, my top three uh, is Norman Walker, Donny Avenue and Leonard Moberg. Now they're all Egmont creators, so straight away I'm probably getting off on the wrong foot with all the uh, Forkers. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's a cult after Leaf Fork. Um, but I don't know, like Norman Walker and Donny Avenue, they're, they're like the old school. They created them in the 70s and 80s and I don't know, like to me that was like when the best, some of the best stuff that Egmont created and I can, I through haven't published all of their stories but I have not been, I've, I think I've only read one story out of the three of those that have had a dud story. So I think that's pretty good. Um... And you know you can. I, I, I like their stuff. So they're my top three writers. Is there any particular stories of theirs that you that you like? Um. Yeah, I do. I've, my computer's slow. Um. So some of them are the um. Uh, like the stories about the first Phantom, um, the Milk Drinker, the Beanstalk. Um, the uh, the psychopath. I don't know if you remember that story. Um, yeah, I do. That's a good story. That one. Yeah, so there are a couple that um, uh, you know, just at the top of my top of my head. I'm trying to find the link while we're talking, but um, um, I yeah, think he was the one. Up, so I think Norman Walker um introduced Dog Eye Singh too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right there. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, Revenge of Dog Eye Sing. So they've had quite a fair bit to do, and I think they've probably created about a hundred odd stories between them, as well, between the three of them. So mm. 
you know, uh, they're mine. Fair enough. Right, well, um, what about you, Stephen? Who's your favourite three writers? Um, well, I've got Paul, Paul up there, of course, um, and mainly because of however many podcasts it was ago, I, I mentioned that um, I'd read a, a recent story and then I read a Lee Falk story and just the storytelling was just so much better, I thought. Um, so he had, a, he had a, a knack to tell a story. Mm. Um, apart from that, whoever uh, wrote KGB Nile, I, I really like that one. And whoever wrote Triads, and I'm just going on those because they're a couple of my favourite stories. So that, that, that's how I'm, how I'm running things over this side. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, um, funnily enough, the writer of KGB Noir was Mike Bullock, who ah, right. a, also happens to be um, one of my favourite writers. So I may as well do my three now. That's a nice segue. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, exactly. So my three favourite writers are um, Mike Bullock, like I just mentioned, who of course wrote for Moonstone. Um, ben Rabb, who wrote for both Moonstone mm. and uh, Egmont. And uh, my third favourite is probably, is, um, and I might pronounce this incorrectly, Claire's or Clay's Ramithi, who um, of course writes for Egmont um, and did a lot of stuff. So. The reason I've picked those is um, Mike Bullock, obviously the stuff he did with Moonstone and the way he treated those stories but with such respect, keeping the legacy um, of the character but still modernising it um, to make it, uh, I don't want to say, say more relevant but at least important enough for a modern audience to care about, which is... And if we listen to our previous episode about um, King the Phantom Dynamite series, they did a really bad modernization of the Phantom, but I think uh, Mike Bullock did a really good one. Um, ben Rabb, I liked him okay. I thought he was an okay writer when he did um, stuff for Egmont, but when I really started to like him was when he took over, um, or not took over, but started writing Ed Moonstone. You had the humour um, and adventure f throughout his stories, kind of like an Indiana Jones movie almost. You know, it was lots of adventure and mm -hmm. fights and stuff, but it was very, you know, tongue in cheek and didn't take itself too seriously. I love, love that. I thought it fit the um, the character of the Phantom really well, and I chose Ramirez because he's probably the writer his stories really got me into the Phantom like he was some of the first stories I, I read and his stuff um, particularly the election in Mangala stuff with Lubanga and all those stories I absolutely love those and that was around the time that I first started um, reading the Phantom so it kind of I guess shaped my perception of what the Phantom was early in my fanboy career, so his, his stories have always been special. I so. think he did um, uh, triads as well. Yeah, he, he very well could have. I'm just trying to I'll see if I can find and it. he also, um, well, while you try and find it, I'll... Yes, he did. He did. Tell you well, a bit more about him. He... Um, he also had a pen name, which was Michael Tyrone Rees or something. Oh, okay. 
it's not that team, is it? So if you if you if you keep all of those stories that he had, if if you count all of those stories, he's probably been the most prolific uh, Phantom story writer. You know, maybe even including Lee Fork. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because he's written the exact numbers off by heart, but he'll be up there. Yeah, because he's written a heck of a lot of stuff. Hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, um, compared to Lee Falk, just how many he wrote, how many stories. So. I, th- yeah, I think well. the good thing about him, I think I think the good thing about um, all of those is that they're quite modern, but I think they do a good job in keeping the like the traditional, the traditional law with um, mm. like the traditional legacy. Um, so yeah. I, th- I think that's a pretty good choice. Okay, so just um, talking about Ramithi, um, according to the wiki, he's written 300 stories. Um, well, no, sorry, some it's not exactly 300. Some of those are two-part stories, so in, or three-part stories. So including the various parts of a story, he's written about 300 individual issues, I guess you'd say, and then he's written six. Uh, no, sorry, three daily stories and six Sunday stories. So that's a hell of a lot. <laughs> yeah. So he's, so he wouldn't be with Lee Fort because Lee Fort did about I think Lee Fort did probably about three fifty maybe three maybe three eighty up around there. Mm-hmm. Um, but around three hundred. So it will be close. He'll be close. Yeah. He's probably the next. He was Next also, um, from what I, yeah, from what I understand, um, uh, Klaus Remif, uh however you say his last name, um, <laughs> he was also in charge of the the group that um, that write the stories as well. Like they would all come down, sit together, and like map out. Um, all the Egmont creators will map out like the next year or something, and he was kind of in charge of that. Like, oh, okay, cool. Phantom Man, I think it was. So oh, he's yes. a fairly big hitter when it comes to um, the fandom. Well, let's um, let's move on to our favourite artists. So, um, Stephen, you actually have three for this. So, would you like to go first? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, my favourite by far is Alex Saviour. I'm, I just really enjoy his his um, his style, and um, I had a bit of egg on my face lately in the um. um Oh, one of the Facebook groups when um talking about one of the latest fur issues and you know it said that Savio um drew it on <laughs> it's by him as well and I was looking through the art and I thought it doesn't really look like him he's trying a different style but oh I don't care it's Savio and of course it wasn't um <laughs> but nonetheless it was a good story and I still like Alex's art and whoever actually did draw it he did he, I thought it was excellent as well I liked the 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 use of um black and stuff, but that's for another podcast. Um, but yeah, I really, I just like his style. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the straightness of it or the, the cleanness of the lines or whatever you want to call it. I, um, but yeah, it's just, it, when I see an issue come out and it's a savior, I read it as soon as I can. I don't keep it in the bag for, you know, maybe a couple of days before I read it. It's, it's read that night as soon as I pick it up. Mm-hmm. Um, number two on my list of, uh, is Cy Barry. Um, got to put him in. Um, yeah. He's got he's got the 
the style that everyone well, he gave he gave the fandom his his form. Like you had the ones before him, so and um, you know they're a bit they did well. I don't want I don't know the right word. I want to say simplistic, but it wasn't simplistic. It was still quite in depth. But Barry gave Econ- economy of yeah, wine is what yeah, it's probably it. But whereas Barry had the 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 bigger build, the the more muscular Phantom, and then um, I believe he modernised him. Yeah, he did. And um, to go on with my KGB noir um, <laughs> uh, theme, I've got Fernando Peniche. Is that how you uh, pronounce his surname? Um, so. And I just I just like um, the style, the, the the use of black and white. Um, the scenes, you know, in the in the limo, you know, the the, the clothes. Um, I'm here talking with my hands. Um, you can't, <laughs> of course, see that if you listen to the podcast. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> these um the scenes that are done. I'm still doing it. Yeah, I'll sit on them. Um, that are done in close quarters, and the, the <laughs> and the the you one where the up, yeah. I, I, <laughs> Can't tell I'm a teacher. <laughs> For those listening, wonder why we're laughing. We can actually see each other today. We don't usually, we're not usually able to see each other, so that's why they're having a good old laugh. Because yeah. um, we all look so <laughs> weird, we just have to laugh. <laughs> um, but it's the scene where he's kind of transitioning from um, from Mr. Walker into the Phantom, and the the overcoat's kind of busted open, and and he's just, it's just. In your face. I've, I've just really, really enjoyed um, well the artwork in that story. Cool. Right, Jermaine, do you want to go next? Okay. Um, first one will be Ray Moore. Um, the way I see it is the thing I love. Well, the thing I love about two of my three favourite is the mysterious, the darkness of, of the way they drew the Phantom. Um, when I when I think of the Phantom, I think of I think of a, a like a pulp character, something dark, something in the shadows, a bit of a dry wit, um, not overly muscular, but more athletic, but not you know wiry, but you know like a good football player, um, or like me. Like someone who plays um, Hawthorne. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, not Hawthorne. Um, <laughs> but you know, and so. And then, like, Ray Moore, like, he modelled the Phantom. Like, you know, I know he did it with Lee Fork and all that, but, like, when you when you think about it, like, his his wife was the model for Diana Palmer. He was the one that came up with oh, the yeah. idea of um, of a devil because he liked drawing wolves. So, you know, like, those type of things was... He basically... In my opinion, helped create the Phantom just as much as Lee Fort. Lee Fort had the brilliant idea and stuff, but if it wasn't for Ray Moore, and with the style he drew, beautiful women, he um, he drew dark, mysterious stories. And um, in my opinion, if it wasn't for his input from the start, I doubt we probably we would have all been probably following the the, the Phantom and talking tonight. So that's my first one. I think he gets undersold a bit. Maybe it's because he only did, you know, um, you know, uh, how many years did he do from 1936 to 46? So he only did, you know, 10 years, 
13, 14 years, so, and he's only got, what, 30-odd stories. Um, and I think, too, yeah, but Wilson, Wilson McCoy had such a long stint afterwards, he sort of, yeah, he's um, often thought of the earlier, earlier um, depiction as a, of the Phantom. Yeah. So, so my first one's Ray Moore. My second one's probably is even more obscure, which is Don Newton. Mm. Um, he's the he. So now, he, his work has been published in Fruit Comics, but I don't think the Fruit Comics did it justice. Um, in the sense that the reproduction was very dark, and even the Charlton stories was very dark as well and it's been said that he wasn't impressed with the way Charlton darkened one his his covers but also his interior work so and he only did six phantom stories and he did um, uh, seven covers and then some fanzines and stuff but in my opinion, his 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 style is very very good. He's probably he's more known for his Batman stuff, um, but a lot of people, including me, say that his um, Phantom stuff is some of the best of his artwork, and it's actually um, actually what made him famous was his Phantom work. Yeah. So that's my second one. Now my third one. Um, I seem to be picking all the obscure ones, but my third one's a f from a Frenchman, from a frog, um, <laughs> who's uh, John John Viers Mitten, I think is the way you say his name. Um, he's done eight stories, and he's done a few covers and stuff like that, but he did The Yellow Death, uh, Wuru Brew, Children of the Forest, Cathedral Mystery, Hugan's Revenge. Um, they're probably some more of his uh, more popular stories, but I don't know. I loved his style. So he's my third favourite artist. Fair enough. I've um, just got a quick question about the Don Newton stuff. It's interesting that you say he wasn't happy about how dark his work showed because the thing that I always think about when I think of Don Newton's artwork is how dark it is, and that's what I like about it. Um, but in mm. the Charlton stuff, that would have been in colour, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was colour. I don't know if it was dark. I think it was. I think the word they used was muddy. Like, oh, okay. like the colours weren't as vibrant, and they kind of muddied okay. the colours up, if that's a... Yes. Sorry, that's probably... Because I think his style is... But, Really nice and just black and white. I think it looks beautiful, just black yeah, and white. It is. it is. Yeah, and his covers though it, are beautiful, even though they, you know, they're in colour, which doesn't take anything away from them, but they're they're beautiful. Right. Well, um, okay. So I'll go on with my three. Like uh, Stephen said, one of my favourites is Cy Barry. So I won't go back over, um, over that because Stephen basically said why I would choose him. Um, mm. as one of my favourite Phantom artists. Um, I'll just reiterate that the main reason is that he is... His Phantom is kind of the one you always think of. Um, yeah, definitely. His look. He also... A lot of artists have been told and still continually get told in recent times that when they draw the Phantom, 
they have to copy Cy Barry's style. Yeah, which is interesting, isn't it? That in itself, yeah. I think, tells you how important his his work on Definitely. the Phantom is. He modernised it. He took it out of a um, a children's script, a children's adventure. He modernised it. He saw, you know, Rex, Diana getting married, the twins, um, the move from the move to Africa, uh, Bengala becoming a democracy, um, and the amount of that's just what he's done. But then if you look at the amount of assistance he had and the people, the high caliber of people that he had working with him, it's almost yeah. a who's who. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very impressive. But that would be for a future episode, I think, Yes. Um, to get into that. So my, my second one, um, and Jermaine says I'm a bit of a suck-up for this, is Glenn Ford, the Australian artist. Um, Glenn Ford, of course, <laughs> did. <laughs> Glenn Ford, of course, did a lot of covers for Fru, and um, as well as the interiors of a few stories like Search for Byron. His style is very unique, I think, and it's something. Mm. There's something about it that just really clicks with me. Um, and part of the reason is when I first saw he, his artwork with his covers and stuff in the early 900s, I was at an impressionable young age in my. Um, artistic career and Glenn's work really was kind of the stuff that I'd sit there and try and copy um, so I could become, you know, a bit of a better drawer. I'd copy his work. But, um, yeah, there's, there's something about Glenn's style. It's not... Um, how, how would I put this? It's not anatomically correct sometimes, but it's always dramatic. It does that kind of it, it does that really fine balancing act between being anatomically correct and using foreshortening and elongation and stuff to make things look, you know, cooler so they look dramatic in a comic, which is, you know, a thing I don't think a lot of artists can do, um, yeah. or at least not convincingly. Um, but my third artist uh, would be Paul Ryan, who of course has done stuff for Egmont. And um, he's done some work on the on the strips as well. And this guy's work is just phenomenal. It's when we met him at um, Supernova the year before last, was it, or was it last year? Yeah, yeah, last year. He, he's such a nice guy. He's a lovely man to talk to. Um, but his work is absolutely beautiful. I don't think you could anyone could look at a Paul Ryan piece of work and say that it's not a great thing to look at and of course he's one of the um, greatest comic artists in comics not just working on the fan but he's worked on heaps of other stuff and he's easily one of the best so yeah he's he's my third favourite artist I think the thing that I like about Glenn is that he was really one of the first he was one, he was the first Australian artist of, of Freud to use computers yeah that's true mm. it wasn't um, um was Byron done on computer? Was that is that right? Uh, I think the cover was, but I'm not sure about the interiors. Yeah, I don't think the interiors were because I know a few people that have some of the interior artwork. Yeah, as soon as yeah. I said that out loud, I was like, no, know some people have got, got it as well. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that the um, cover he did for Phantom Goes to War, um, I can't recall yeah. which... Which number issue it is, but um, because through don't guess it. Times. 
No, I won't. Um, one thousand forty-one. That's what it is. It's one of the first ones I had. Yeah, but that that cover is just brilliant. Um, but yeah, he's he's does some great stuff. Right. Well, should we move on to our top three yeah. collector pieces? So these are our top uh, three top collector three pieces. Stories. All about stories. Oh, top three. Yeah, I scrolled down too far. Sorry, guys. So our top three <laughs> stories. Um, who wants to go first with this? Any takers? Must be your turn. We will have turns go going first. Yeah, fair enough. Right. Well, I'll do. I'll do my three. Um, so I'm gonna steal a little bit from Stephen here and say that one of my favourite stories is KGB Nor from Moonstone. Um, again, I think I said this when we talked about Moonstone in our Moonstone app, but it's just such a clever um, idea and obvious and so obvious that you would use the Phantom in a Noir story. I'm still amazed that it took that long for it to happen. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great story. The artwork's beautiful. It um, should have just been a whole whole nother six issues or whatever it was I think it was six should have had 12 issues it was it was just great um, my second story is Jungle City which is by Lee Falk and Cy Barry and I picked this one because no. you know the Phantom's always kind of shown as kind of I don't want to use the, the word benevolent but he's, he's always kind of level-headed and, and he's very um, you know, even if something bad happens, he's very much you know, focused on what he's doing and stuff. Jungle City was the first story I remember reading where the Phantom really got angry and sort of let his anger take control of him a little bit. And as for a newspaper story as well, it's also quite dark. Um, there's a lot of yeah. blacks and stuff in there, um, silhouettes of the Phantom beating up bad guys. So it's probably one of the most mature um, Phantom stories, particularly for that time, because that was right in the middle of when um, you know the Phantom basically had a family, and there's some accusations some fans have of that period of time becoming a little too um, family oriented, like family friendly. Yeah, domesticated. You know, it was all, oh, let's go for a picnic <laughs> to to Eden. You know, let's let's go and ride around on Nefertiti and Solomon, and you know, there wasn't much. Actual action in in he those hanged stories. Up the gun belt. He hanged yeah. up the gun belt and uh, picked up a nappy bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, Jungle City, you know, showed that Lee Falk and Cyberry could do, still do a good, strong, gritty story. Yeah, just good. Um, and my yeah. third favorite, and this is probably my f top favorite, is the story Who Guns Revenge, which we mentioned um, mm. a little bit earlier. This thing I absolutely love. It's the first Phantom story I remember reading, whether it's actually the first one I ever read, I'm not sure, but it's the first one I remember reading. And the thing that sticks with me the most um, about this, apart from the beautiful artwork, I think you'd agree with me there, Jermaine? Yes. <laughs> so apart from the beautiful artwork is how the Phantom, you really see the Phantom stalking Hugan through the jungle. Yeah, Hugan decides to go into the jungle and get his revenge on the Phantom, and the two are going pretty much blow for blow for a while. But then the Phantom goes, "No, nah, I've had enough of this," and he starts pulling out all these little jungle tricks on him and stalking him and fooling him. And there's a great scene where um, Hugan shoots the Phantom in the shoulder, and the Phantom's standing in 
Um, I'm not sure if it's a pond or a swamp, or he's standing in a bottle of water anyway, and he falls down. Um, and Hugan's like, oh, yeah, I've killed him, I've killed him. And then he sees um, the Phantom kneeling, and he thinks, oh, he's dead. I'm going to go up and you know unmask him and find out who this bloke is. And he walks up behind the Phantom and grabs the, the Phantom, and as he spins him around, it turns out that it's just the Phantom's costume chuck full of of reeds with a skull where the fan, in the cowl where the phantom's head would be and he freaks out and then he turns around to run and he sees the phantom in I assume just his underduds pointing a gun at him you know having tricked him and stuff and I just thought that was great I love the whole stalking through the jungle thing mm. yeah so it was a, it was a really good story and also there's the you know amazing yeah, and it goes from like these really intricate stalking scenes to having a helicopter shooting a Gatling gun at the Phantom and Lawaga. It's just, oh, it's brilliant. It's great stuff. <laughs> it's great stuff. Right, so, uh, Steve, do you want to go next? Uh, right, yeah. Well, um, my, my favourite, of course, is the triads. I, I, um, I really enjoy that story, and um, it's one... That's just always stuck with me. You know, there's often you know talk about stories and I can't quite remember them. But the Triads is a story that I remember. It's um, uh, five parts, I think. Mm. Um, so ran yeah. you know ran a while, but um, no, I really enjoyed it. And um, I think I've mentioned this either on the podcast or on the Facebook that when I when got my collection back from my um, parents' place a couple of years ago, the first thing I did was sat down and read the Triads again. And it's still good, and I'm just hanging out for um for Fru to republish that. I, I can't wait because <laughs> when I when I um read it back then a couple of years ago, my my ink's gone a bit faded. I'd I'd like a refresher. Yeah. Um, my my second one is uh, KG Renoir, and for exactly the same reasons as, as you were saying there, um, Joe. Um, so I won't go over it. Something I really like. Um, and I've been trying to think about a, a, a third one, and um, and I, I don't know. There's probably a, a few that could fill that spot, but I thought I, I might um, go with um, the, the the first one, the, you know, the Sing Brotherhood. If we didn't have it, we wouldn't have the Phantom. No, that's true. Or just just, just introdu- for introducing the world to the Phantom, I think. Um, so they mm. they'll, they'll round out my top three. The thing I love about the Sing Brotherhood is that the story just kind of keeps going and going and going. Yeah, it does. Like it's, and and I think it's great. It's it's like an old classic adventure story where you just you're just turning the page one after another, and it's just like one epic battle after another. You know, because it's like you can almost finish the story after any of those battles, whether it's you know when Diana finally picked up the whale bones to, you know, escaping the underwater um, uh, uh, the underwater prison and then you've got the operation and then you've got the big epic scenes towards the end of the, um, you know, the mountain lair and, and stuff like that. And it's, it's just amazing how the, it just, yeah, it just keeps going and going. It, was, it's, it is a classic raid. Yeah, it's yeah. brilliant stuff. And probably something else along the same lines um, would be the the Python. You know, they just keep going on and on and on. And I thought that was you know, excellent, seeing the the Phantom just 
go down to this Great Depression, thinking that he, that his wife's gone, um, and then you know, of course, coming coming back through it, and still got ramifications today with their storylines. Yeah, I think I think that's a different story because it was more of a emotional saga, just mm. going on and on and on, like you know. He, like where if you're looking at some of the other stories, uh, it was more of a, the epic, you know, um, Michael, Sh you know, the epic Hollywood uh, battle scenes. Where this was more of the where the the um, the five part Diana's death one was more of a um, yeah an emotional battle where he had a f battle himself and then he had a battle whether you know he whether he could move on with the uh, other girl and and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, it's making me want to go and read them all again now. <laughs> <laughs> right, Jermaine, what about your three? Okay, well, I've gone for a Lee Fork story. Um, yep. You know, The Golden Circle. Um, mm -hmm. Recently, I went for... I got a lot of these stories on, uh, on my computer... Um, at home, not work, um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, and so I went and reread them. And I don't know, the Golden Circle. I enjoyed the story. I, it's out of all of the stories where he battled an all-girl pirate, all-girl villain squad. This is probably my favourite of them, and I really like the character FIFA in it. Um, I don't know, but yeah. I, you know, I thought she, I actually really enjoyed the character Fifi out of the Golden Circle, um, and yeah, the whole story where I loved the whole concept where he's battling females and he can't just punch them because he's a you know he's a gentleman, and so you know he has to come up with different ways to defeat the girls, whether it's you know, putting a mouse in the, um, uh, what do you call it, in the uh, radio room to scare the girl away so he can then, um, you know, go and, um, what do you call it, uh, you know, radio for help or, you know, trying to get involved in the love triangle. And, uh, it's, it's brilliant scripting. Um, really enjoy the story. Like, and then in that story you've got, um, you know, you've got a little side story as well where, the inspectors basically trying to find Devil, the wolf, and he's going through all of Paris trying to find Wolf, finally finds Wolf, and then the Phantoms already um, solved the problem, and then the cops are like, oh, no, you don't need to worry about it. He's working for us. You know, he's working for us and all that. And so you have this... You have a, you have a great side story to the main story which was kind of humorous so it was it was a nice little touch with that one cool so um yeah so that's probably my um uh one of them and it's it's got a, it was also a good thing of um what would you call it? um Establishing the law as well as in that story as well. So, so that one's probably one of my favourite. The other one, which is the first story I ever create, ever read, and that was the setup, which mm. was through one one two zero. So, 
Well, actually, it wasn't the first story I ever read, but it was like it was the story that hooked me, if you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, what it is is, um, you know, the fans being chased by the coppers in um, Morristown, and again, it's 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 like some of the other stuff we've talked about, where you just got like one action scene coming from another. So it's very um, diehard likeish, where you know, he's just been gone from one situation to another, and he's totally exhausted, and he and then he has to go again and and stuff, and I don't know. So that was that was one of my all-time favourites. One of the first ones, one that hooked me, and it's still one of my all-time favourites. Another one that um I really enjoy. So my third one was the Devil's Brotherhood. I actually now, haven't read this. This is a three-part story. You haven't read this. No, I because it's in the roughly the mid 800s. I never my collection doesn't go back that far. So yeah, I've never actually read this story, and Fruz never reprinted it. So Dudley, if you're listening, get well, on to it. Is... <laughs> <laughs> After the prime. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Stop publishing the stuff we've already got. Just buy the back issues. I'd rather stuff we haven't got. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is uh, fruit. <laughs> yeah, he's got a hard job. He'll never keep us happy. Um, <laughs> try five parts. It could easily go into one volume. Hint, hint. Um. <laughs> well, this was published in the one. This was published in like a hundred-page story. Um, it's uh, 867A. Is the story. Um, is the free number. It's got three three parts, and you know you can tell I like action movies because this is an action nonstop. It's it's great. Um, it's got Chu Chan in it, which was a recurring character, and then he's just he's going from like one place to another in um, you know the China region, trying to battle, trying to rescue people. He's um, you know, having to battle um, Chinese people that are, you know, doing all sorts of things to him, and uh, you know, there's there's drugs involved and, and stuff like that. It's um, yeah, it's 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 a classic story. I remember because I started collecting in one one two zero, and one of my mates had this story, and I just remember just reading it over and over and over again. And then he ended, and then he ended up stopped collecting the fandom and focused on Commando comics instead. So this was like the first comic that I got off him when he was getting rid of his collection. It was like, look, I don't care what you do with the others, I just want that one comic, and I've still <laughs> got it now. It's totally tattered, um, but it's yeah, uh, it, it's 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 a great story. So they're my three favourite stories. I'll have to try and track it down. Yes, you will. Righto. Cool. So we'll go on to... Sorry, I skipped ahead a bit before, but now we'll go on to our top three collector pieces that we actually own. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they've changed since our special collectibles uh, episode we did a little while ago. I don't think mine have. So anyway. Um, so I'll, I'll go first. My uh, one of my favourite things is that I own is um, the Icon Collectibles statue. The big uh, was it 
12 inches inch statue that came out a little while ago. It's just such a great statue. It's beautifully um, sculpted. Lots of um, lots of lovely detail in there, and it looks great on the shelf. I haven't got the money to buy the variant covers. Uh, sorry, the the various colours. Um, the what is it? Blue, red, and is it brown or green? The third one. Grey. 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 Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I haven't. <clears throat> excuse me. I haven't um, been able to get those, but I do love that statue. Um, another of my favourite things, which um, I mentioned on that Collectibles episode, that I like kind of weird, uh, weird and quirky things. So one of my favourite things is um, the Phantom 2040 lunchbox and thermos set, which um, is exactly what it sounds like. It's a lunchbox with a thermos. Um, but the artwork on it is, is really cool, and the, the one I have is in great condition. I don't think it's ever been used. Um, so, that, so that's pretty cool. And um, my most favourite item, as I'm sure everyone will probably guess, is the 2040 video game for the Mega Drive. I just love it to bits. Um, the game itself is brilliant. Uh, it's really cool that you actually get to, you know, we have a video game where we can play as the Phantom. Um, yeah, I just, there's nothing about that game I don't like, except maybe that I haven't been able to get the good ending yet, but I don't think I'm alone there. Um yeah, it, it's a great game. So those are my three. Right, Jermaine, do you want to take it next? Mine has changed a little bit. Uh, I've got a new favourite. Every time I buy something new, it kind of changes. <laughs> um, so one of the new ones is a 1996 movie pirate prototype. Now, do you remember... It's like a little figurine toy. It's action figures, yeah. I actually saw one yesterday. Yeah, so, yes, you would have seen one yesterday at Jimmy's place. Um, so a recent addition to my collection is one of those. It's not mint on card. It's actually loose. Now, um, so what it is is everyone knows the movie um, figurine sets with the head that looks like an owl um, <laughs> yep. on poor old Billy Zane. <laughs> Um, so what there are there is actually the the complete sets of the throne on Hero and in the ring set. So, but what they actually did is they were they did prototypes before they released it, and so the prototypes had a different design. So you can get prototypes of the three normal ones, which is the horse, throne, and ring set. I've also got a prototype of the ring set. Um, but then they also did a prototype of um, what do you call it? The uh, of a bad guy, which is the pirate. Now, there's not many of those that have existed. There's, I think, there's about ten of each known in the world, or something like that. Um, and so I've got a loose one, not on card. Um, and then there's also different colours of the pirate as well. So can't remember what colour I've got. So that's one of my favourites. Another one would be my comic collection from around the world. Um, yep. It's nearing nearing completion. I think there's five more to get. Um, and then the third one would be my Cuban sticker book um, collection. Which oh, yeah. was released in the 
uh, mid 40s, I believe, and um, they're quite rare. There's only um, uh, I only know of one other uh, collector who has a album with some stickers as well. So um, yeah, I don't have the complete set. I've only got about a hundred of the stickers out of 300, but um, yeah, it's still it's it's quite nice. It, so they're probably my three favourite. So Jermaine, is there any um, is there any knowledge about why they never released those pirate villain sta uh, figurines? Like I know that the figures were pretty crappy quality, but I mean they must have had to have them produced before the movie came out, or at least well on the way. Um, I'm not really sure because the pirate doesn't look like a pirate from the movie, so. Um, Maybe they just, I don't know, maybe they weren't good enough. I'm not really sure on the story, but it's, um, yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, well, maybe someone out there knows and can fill us in. Um, yeah, well, there's about... a few people that have them, so they, someone out there may have a little bit more information than us. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to find out. Um, right, Stephen, do you want to give us our, uh, sorry, your top three collector pieces? Yep. Um, well, yeah, my top three, I've got a, a monkey's plate, and that's probably one of the first um, collectible items I ever picked up, so that makes the list. Um, it's the one he's um, standing there cross-armed, you know, cross and um, you've yeah, got the ghost who walks in the, uh, written in the background. Um, a poster that I got last year, I think it was last year, um, for my birthday, I think, um, that my wife gave me is the um, the Phantom Rising from the Ashes from that story, was it League of, uh, lost, what's the name, Lost Men, is that, am I oh, getting yep. that right? Yeah, um, I think so, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm still yet to find a frame that, that fits it, which has been slightly <laughs> annoying, um, so it's sitting on top of my bookshelf, um, and that one's signed, so that, that makes the list easily. And um, I've gone with um, the the issue we were talking about before. Was it 1040 or 41 that uh, Phantom goes to war with the Glenn Ford cover? Um, yep. Mainly because, just like with the plate, um, that was one of the first things I picked up. This was one of the first comics that I ever received. It was in this bundle that, uh, that a family friend gave me. And, yeah, that was one that I, I read and reread um, you know, as soon as I got it. So I'll, yeah, I'll put a comic in my um, pieces as well. Cool. Right. Um, well, we'll move on to our top three collector pieces we wish we had. Um, I'll start off. So, big surprise here. I would love the uh, Phantom 2040 big box edition of the video game. Um, for those that might not have heard our previous collectibles episode or um, don't know what a big box edition is, a big box edition were something that Sega of Australia did in the uh, mid to late 90s and basically what it was is you had the game and then you would have a couple of extra things in the box as well. Um, so in the case of the Phantom you had the Glow Zone stickers and um, a key ring. Now these are very very hard to find because they were only ever released in Australia and only ever released in fairly limited numbers because it was towards the end of the um, Mega Drive system's life. 
uh, before it was replaced by the Sega Saturn. So not many were released, and when not many things are released and they're only released in one country, of course, they become very hard to find, and they go for ridiculous money now um, if you can find one complete. So that would that'd be the big thing. Um, the other thing I'd really like to get is the black triangular phantom teapot and teacup set. I don't actually know who made it. I think it's Monkeys of Melbourne, but I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Um, I know some people think it's ugly, but I just think it's really cool, so I'd love to have one of those. Um, as for my third, uh, I'm, not, I'm not really sure, but I, I would like some original artwork, which I think all three of us are, are going to be saying tonight. But, um, yeah, some of original what, art. Of what artist? Any artist I, in particular? Well, of course the big one would be Cy Barry, but I don't have that much money. Um, <laughs> so, so, no, I, I don't know if there's one particular artist at all that I'd like because there's so many fandom artists that I do enjoy the work of. Um, if I had to pick one, though, of course, it would be Cy Barry. Um, Paul Ryan would be really, really cool as well. So basically any of the three I mentioned earlier <laughs> would be really cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I do have an original Ed Rhodes um, fandom drawing, but uh, I, I suppose he's not technically a fandom artist, but that's still pretty cool. Mm. So, yeah. All right, well, Stephen, do you want to go mm -hmm. next? Um, yeah, well, yeah, number one is original art, um, in particular Savile, but um, I'll take anyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, um, yesterday um, I saw, who do I see, Terry Beatty um, art from the, um, the Phantom of Mandrake story, the uh, Mandrake's Bon Voyage, or I think that was what it called, from last, was it last year, that, yeah, and that looked really good. But then I also saw... Art, um, uh, it was either Moore or McCoy, I can't remember, um, where Hero, something about a racehorse or something like I can't quite remember. Um, but that was huge, the, 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 the older art from the 50s or whatever it was, that, that was huge, whereas um, the, um, the, the Mandrake one was a lot smaller. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, it was just uh, a difference. Um, but both looked great and... Um, but yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd like some something from the Daddies or Sundays. Um, but yeah, anything from any of the modern stuff as, as well. Um, apart from that, um, anything I can get my hands on if I see something and I've got the cash to to get it of. But that's something that I want then. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I'm rather small at the moment, so <laughs> anything I can get my hands on. Artworks are very. Art's very addictive. Yeah. Mm. It is, um, yeah. So mine, one of the three... Now, I'm kind of cheating when it comes to this. So of the, of the three, I'll kind of break them down a little bit. So mine will be art, but of specific artists like Don Newton, Ray Moore, Hans Lindell, or Mitten, who's the other artist that I made mention of before. Um, I've got a few original pieces of artwork by other artists already, but they're kind of like the four that, you know, that I would love to have. Like, I've got some Barry, I've got some McCoy, uh, I've got some Le Pan, um, and some others as well, but they're kind of like the four that, you know, if I could get some more art from one of them, it would, you know, it would look very, very nice in my collection as well. 
Um, <laughs> another, another one is I'm still after five more countries to complete basically a comic from every country. So that's South Africa, Slovenia, Slovakia, Fiji, and Papua New Guinea. So um, I started collecting comics from around the world probably about seven years ago. And to complete the set or to complete the goal, which is a comic from every country, would be a huge burden off my chest. Um, and then the third thing I would like to get is a, um, a lead or a metal printer's plate. Oh, now, yeah. I don't know if many people have seen these, but um, back before they did computer printing, what they would do is to to print something in the newspaper or even in a comic book or anything like that, they would um, get the strip, they would put it on like a bit of balsa wood with all the indents and all that, and it would be um, the right way, and then they would pour lead or metal or whatever metal form they used into the balsa wood, um, what do you call it, like uh, mould, and then they would use that to print on the paper. Mm. Um, so I've seen a couple of them. Um, I saw one recently that went on sale on a uh, bidding site, and that went for about three, four hundred dollars. Um, my wife was going to kill me if I if I if I if I paid that much money. So, um, <laughs> but that will be one of the things. Like I saw one from an Ed Rhodes collection, and so it's been something that I've um, always wanted ever since. Mm. So yeah, so that will be another piece that I really am interested in. Cool. Right. Well, um, let's move on to the next thing, which is our top three fruit covers. Um, Jermaine, do you want to go first with this one? Okay. <laughs> All right. Are we going to like do up a post with um, uh, like links to uh, you know like the free covers and the artists and stuff like that as well? You reckon? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. Okay. All right. So my first one. So these are free covers. First one will be one six eight four. Which is the 24th, which was the Antonio Lemos rendition of the Phantom movie, where he's sitting on the throne and you've got the um, the light shining on him. Um, just I don't know, I, I love that cover. Um, you know, it's very simple. You could technically say, you know, that he kind of stole the idea, but he pulled it off in a painting format. And it works, and in my opinion, it was one of the beginning of the improvement of fruit covers. Mm. The renaissance of fruit covers. <laughs> yeah, I've got those back into my um, to my iPad. I reckon it's great. Yeah, it is. Um, another one is one two o nine, which was the fiftieth anniversary issue of Fruit. Um, Glenn Ford did this one. Um, it's a very... When I think of Glenn Ford, I think of this this cover 
or this style where he's basically punching. You see his profile behind the fist and there's, you know, the old classic Batman, bam, pow, kind of coming off the fist. This is computer generated and for memory he's done this cover a couple of times in different formats but I really yeah. enjoy this cover. Um, I actually talked to Glenn. Um, he was in Sydney OzCon um, the, the year of the 50th anniversary, and he said the cover was inspired by the Phantom movie poster, you know, where mm. Billy Zane's punching and the lights coming out of the of the ring's so, eyes. But of course, um, rather than having a mystically powered ring, he's changed it here to just like you said, Jermaine, the the big bang pow type thing. Yeah, that's really it's, cool. You know, there's there's been other there's been other depictions of this. Like I remember, I think uh, Roe Goffs has done one, who's the Egmont artist. I know Glenn Ford has done one. Um, uh, I think it's the Mob, which was one thousand and four. I think it was. Sorry. He's also done. I thought it was thousand one. I could have been wrong. He's also yeah, done no, a kind I'm of variation. Wrong. He's also going to done a kind of variation on it for um, the 1994 Collector's Special, issue 1,125. It's a painted version. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. I, I do like that one, actually. Yeah, so it's a very... It's a very... In my... Whenever I think of Glenn Ford, it's like that depiction of the Phantom is what I remember of him. Don't know whether mm. that's a good thing, whether he would like to hear that or not. But <laughs> when I think of you, Glenn, that's what I think of. <laughs> I'm sure um, there's worse things you can think of. <laughs> <laughs> we won't say it on the podcast. We'll try and keep this as family friendly as possible. <laughs> um, the third cover I like is through 1186, which is one of Antonio's uh, painted covers. Mm-hmm. This one is the mystery, the mystery of Croco Island, and so you've got the fan in, in a ghost-like feature in the background, and you've got the little croco monsters in the foreground. Um, from memory, this was one of the first few painted acrylic style co uh, covers that Antonio did, and I don't know, I, I fell in love with it pretty much straight away. Yeah, it's a beautiful cover. Right. Well, um, what about you, Stephen? What are your favourite fruit covers? Um, well, on the same vein as as Jermaine, there, when you're saying when you when you um, think of Glenn Ford, you think of a, the the fist coming out. Um, for a long time, when you think of the Phantom, it was the blue cover with a scene, you know, whether he's wrestling a tiger or a bear or or something, a couple of roughnecks. But it's, it had that that striking blue background and and I just really like that. I, I like the simplicity of it. The blue, the action, the phantom at the top. Uh, um, yeah, so I don't have a favourite per se, but that, that's some, that's what I really liked. And um, in the last year or two, you know, with some covers, I've seen that they've got, you know, when they've got the blue background, and it's not like a solid blue like they used to be, but I just like it as, and I think of it as a bit of a throwback to... Um, to those days, mm -hmm. whether it's done on purpose or not, I've, I've no idea, but I, but I like it. Um, 
and uh, yeah, I don't have particular issues, um, or except for number three, which I'm about to say. But uh, number two are the, the the painted or the the drawn ones that are obviously done um, hand drawn, like um, well, 1735. You know, it came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, that sort of style, the, the the drawn or the painted style, I, re I really like that. Um, and the the the, the phantom, the, the the movie inspired um, one that, that was excellent. And like I said, I've got a, the, the background of my um, of my iPad. And um, last on the list, I, I, I can't remember if it was the Kyra Rose or the pen. I can't quite remember what the um, name of the story was, but it's where um, it's uh, Mr. Walker on the cover. It's the the black kind of noirish um, um, uh, cover. I remember when we, I, I don't know if I was on, on the podcast then, but when it was on, I think it was a, it was a Steve Shepard cover. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, then the next issue was him on, was The Phantom on the Motorbike. So, and you spoke about going into the comic shop and seeing all the colours everywhere, but then you saw The Phantom and it was just dark and, and it stood out because it was of the blackness. And I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll put that one up there as well. Cool, right. Well, um, my my three uh, um, favourite Fru covers are issue 1041, which we mentioned earlier, is the Glenn Ford um, Phantom Goes to War cover. It's a, again, it's a CG cover, but it, but it's it's not. 100% CG created and that not everything he created originally what he's done is he's taken a photo of someone some very fit looking bloke and basically drawn the um, the Phantom's costume digitally on this person and it looks great it looks really really good and because of the digitalness of the costume it's kind of got a almost uh, ultra sort of glow to it. it. It just looks really cool and he's added some flames in the background. But but the thing that I find really, really impressive, as cool as that guy in the costume is, the thing that I love about it is it is a f um, it's a folder cover so when, you know it's, if you open the cu uh, open the book and lay it down pages on the table the cover goes all the way across the front and the back cover and he's what Glenn's done is he's got a whole bunch of old um, wall photos and you black and white wall photos and use them as kind of the background, but then CG'd the Phantom into them so to make it look like it was actually there. But of course, the Phantom uh, is, is in color, is in purple, so he juxta is juxtaposed to the black and white photos really well. And I just think it's a really, really clever, um, really clever cover. And Again, I know I've said this a few times, but I really hope this is one of the covers that Fru um, releases a poster because it's just brilliant. It's, it's, I think it's by far one of the best um, covers Fru has, has ever done. All right, so um, next one would be 1079, which is part one of the election and Bangala, which is um, cover art by Antonio Lemos. So it's not one of his painted ones, but I think it's a great cover. It's got the Phantom in costume on the left-hand side looking quite, um, oh, I wouldn't say desperate, but maybe worried or it, it's a very dramatic look. So you know there's something crazy going on in the story and um, then you've got sort of behind that in the middle ground you've got Mr. Walker and his hat's not on and he's got his hand in the fist and he's kind of looking around the, co the corner 
in a kind of sheepish manner and there's flames licking around him and then you've got the poster of Luwaga and Labunga just, just above him on, on the street wall. So the cover kind of sums up everything the comic is about but doesn't give away the plot too much and really grabs you as as an image itself. It's really dramatic and really, really nicely done. It's a great cover. So my, my third um, cover would be issue 1582, which is a painted cover by Felmang and Alex, and I'm going to ruin his last name, Alex Biffing Andy or some, something like that. I'm sorry, I probably pronounced that completely wrong. But um, it's... Yeah, issue 1582, it's Salah and the President. So on the front cover, you've got um, Salah holding uh, a machine gun and she's, you know, got got the um, ripped top where it's just slightly ripped above the breast so it's not showing anything but it's kind of sexy and then she's got the, the jeans that she's obviously had to rip off at the at the thigh because it's just so hot in the jungle and she's looking over at the Phantom, and the Phantom's rearing up on um, on Hero there. So you've got the Femme Fatale, you've got the Hero, you've got the dense jungle. It all just works brilliantly. It looks like it should be a, um a exploitation movie poster. It's just great. I absolutely love it. <laughs> it's it's like, you know, those old pulp um, pulp novel covers. It reminds me of those. It's, it's great stuff. Mm, mm. Well, so, sex is just dripping off the comic. Cover. Yeah, yeah, sex is dripping off it, but you don't actually, like, it's not vulgar, you know what I mean? It's just It's not like a cheeky. Playboy magazine yeah. where it's, yeah, it's, it's more subtle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's I, great I stuff. I just picked it up yesterday at the, at the fair I was at, so I know exactly what you mean there, Joe. Yeah, it's a great cover. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to hide it from your wife? Uh, she hasn't seen it yet, no. <laughs> Right, well, um, moving quickly on, um, we're going to talk about our top three, <laughs> fa- our top three favourite non-fru covers. Um, so I'll I'll go first with this. So one of my favourites would be um, Moonstone, the first series that um, that Moonstone did cover. Uh, sorry, issue seven, the cover for that, which is by um, Doug Kluber. I just I think it's a beautiful cover. It's it's fairly Kind of similar to what um, Stephen was saying, it's kind of fairly simple in its in its color palette, um, but you've got the you know the gradients of the purple and stuff there, and, and I think it's just um, I think it's a lovely cover. Like it's not kind of in too in your face or anything like that, but it's just a really nice uh, piece of art. I think it's a great cover that one. Um, Definitely agree. My next one would be The Last Phantom, issue 10. Now, say what you will about The Last Phantom, but the covers, or some of the covers, were just absolutely spectacular. Uh, this one in particular is my favourite because it's um, well, it's, it's a painted cover by Alex Ross, who is a, an amazing artist, but it kind of shows the lineage of, of the Phantom line. You've got the first Phantom right at the front and then it goes all, well, maybe not all the way through because I don't think there's 21 Phantoms there, but um, it goes through several Phantoms until you reach the last Phantom in, in the background there. And, you, you know, you can 
you know, you can sort of see even by just the subtle changes Alex Ross has done to the costume or the weapons that the the Phantom is holding, the the change in generation. It's just a it's just a wonderful image. While this wasn't released again as a poster, I don't know, but yeah, it's it's really really cool. It's really cool. Um, and my last one would be the cover to the Wolf series. Um, so. For those that may not know, there was a UK publisher called Wolf that um, released, uh, I think it was, was it nine or ten comics? It was, uh, or was it nine and you had to send away for the tenth or something like that? I think it was nine, um, including the subscription issue. Yeah, nine, including the subscription issue. Um, so basically what they are, they're just reprints of... of um, Scandinavian stories in English, but they have original covers. And the cover for this one is the Phantom standing on sort of a kind of rocky, I guess you'd call it a rocky outcrop in the middle of the ocean, it looks like, with a giant statue falling and it's about to squish him. How he got out on that outcrop, I don't know. But um, it's, it's a really cool image. The art style is very unique. It's sort of something you don't see, a kind of style you don't see the Phantom in very often. Um, and it looks... It looks like it's being coloured, maybe not with paint, but maybe with with. Yeah, I'm not sure. It looks kind of like it's pencil, but then you look at it again and think maybe it's not. So I'm not sure how it was coloured, but it's it's very it's a very striking cover, and it's also very much of um, the time this was released in the 90s, and you know in the 90s comics were kind of gritty and a bit darker and stuff, and it's it's very much um, reminiscent of that time. But yeah, I think it's I think it's a wonderful cover. All right, so um, Jermaine, do you want to take? Do you want to give us your favourites? Okay, um, I've kind of cheated, and I've gone for artists, and then picked out one or two of my favourite of theirs because I couldn't think of, I couldn't narrow it down just to three. Mm-hmm. So, first one is uh, Doug Kaluba or Kalaba. Um, mm-hmm. He did all the painted covers for Moonstone. So first one would be the one where you've, he's in the jungle. It's there's the skull in the background, the lightning. He's got his guns across him, and the um, it's it's kind of darkish, but it's I don't know. It's it's amazing that one. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one would be. Um, from the first series, number seven, where he's is from Douglas Doug again. He's in the foreground. In the background, you've got the Averics, the the av- yeah, the basically a chicken skin type clothing. The Aviatrix. <laughs> um, I I love the cover, not just for the girl, but it's it's just it's it's a very I don't know it's a brilliant cover. Yeah, it is really cool. Um, so, they're probably my two, probably my two favourite from uh, Douglas Kaluba. My next one would be um, oh, talk about mental blank. Um, Goths or Goths, I don't know. He's a pro- prolific um, cover artist for Team Egmont, and the one that I really, really like is. Um, it's for the 1985 Christmas album or 
or um, poster, and basically it's got the background, and it's got the skull thrown to one side with devil coming out of it, and then on the other side, it's got like a you know like um some pirates bearing treasure and killing each other, and <laughs> I don't know that really really enjoy that cover as well. Um, and then probably my third favourite cover artist will be Felmang. And picking two of my favourite would be Comics Review 240, which is Felmang sitting on the Skull Throne. And it's really dark, and he's got his foot on a skull. And it's got that little blue hue to it. Really enjoy that. And then the other cover that I really like would be the Phantom Men uh, Christmas album from 2009, where it's um, got the Phantom getting drowned by a bunch of mermaids, <laughs> which is the story of the mermaids of Mellow Straits. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's a brilliant cover. And again, not just because you've got busty girls with, you know, as playing as mermaids, but it's um. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I like that cover as well. Cool. So they're probably my three artists and then their f top covers. Fair enough. Good choices, guys. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, Stephen, have we done you yet? Uh, right, Stephen, oh, I don't have many. <laughs> um, I don't have many non-through... Non um, comics, but um, one that stood out is the zero issue of Moonstone, just the, the simple skull ring. Um, mm. I like simple and effective. Mm. And I've got, um, I don't know how many different ver versions, but I've got A and B anyway. Um, so the the colour variant. Color variant. Yeah. Um, the next one, um, I think, kind of like it looked like a Jungle Guide handbook or something. Um, was it from the, um, the legendary? Um, series where um, you know all the, the phantoms issue in the in the legendary series. Um, I could be totally wrong, but but yeah, I'm trying to think of it too. But they had um, like a a welcome to legendary alternative covers. I just noticed from the back of the covers. I wish I had one um, so I could see it. So, oh, okay. it, but um. Yeah, one of the, the the Phantom one was like a Bengala jungle thing. Whereas, yeah, anyway, I'll go with that. And <laughs> I don't know about the third. I, I don't know the third. I'm just been scrolling <laughs> through some of those. those uh, Moonstone's just been having a look on Phantom Wiki there, and yeah, they look pretty cool. And I, I've, I've just opened up, and I've got the Phantom mate from Moonstone. Fans falling out what looks like a plane, and... It just happens to be a um a, a woman driving down in about <laughs> two hundred feet above the earth there, so that looks pretty cool. So we'll go with that one. Right. <laughs> That's a Doug Felder as well. <laughs> oh, we're so That's professional. Uh, I told you I was the most unprepared I've ever been. <laughs> so in other words, if you if you want to get a mention in our top three, it needs to have an attractive woman on the front cover. <laughs> well, it helps. Yes, it definitely helps. <laughs> right, um, well, let's do our, our final top three things for this episode. So the top three things we hope 
to see or hope that happens in the future. Um, Stephen, seeing you've actually got stuff for this one, do you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> um, well, the top one would be you know a decent TV show. Like you see shows like Daredevil and Arrow doing really well, and it'd be great to see a um, a, a phantom mm. um, show just take off. If not a show, then cartoon would be excellent. Bring on the um, Defenders of the Earth or something. Uh, or, or give the Phantom his own show. That'd be awesome. Or a decent movie. That'd be that'd be great to to come up. Um, would you prefer second, just just yeah. so going back to the first one? Yeah. Would you prefer a TV show, a cartoon in the vein of Twenty Forty or Defenders of the Earth, or a movie? Um, good question. I would have said movie a couple of years ago yeah, when you, we, yeah. When all the superhero movies were just going gangbusters, but now with um, the TV shows and things like Netflix coming out, I reckon they could do a lot with a TV show. And there's so yeah. many stories that they could they could just take off and just convert to the screen. Um, I'd often, um, when I thought about this in the past, I, I thought about um, doing it in a Sin, a Sin City style. You know that movie Sin City where everything's in black and white, but there's flashes of color. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. could work, work out well as a um, Roberto Rodriguez film. Um, I think that sort of style could could work really well. Um, but then I'm not in TV or movies or anything like that. But mm. anyway, um, and that could work either as a live action show or as a animation. I think doing it that way, or even a movie that way. But I reckon I reckon the TV show would be the way to go. Mm, so do I. I've just finished watching the budget Daredevil. Because wouldn't have to be as big. No. Because the budget wouldn't have to be as big. You could almost... You could really grow and establish the the, the, the law of the Phantom over time as mm. you can in a TV show, unlike a movie, because in a movie you kind of have to... You know, you've only got an hour and a half to... Get the person hooked, and then to then get the story, and then to finish the story. Where a TV show, you almost, you know, like, like if you look at something like The Mentalist, with for him to actually get rid of the bad guy. Um, you know, obviously you wouldn't, you know, you might not do that in a TV show, but you know, you, you you've got those. You can draw out the story. You can um. Uh, you can have flashbacks like of um, of previous phantoms, which you oh, can maybe then do the in a different colour. To yeah. yeah. So I, I reckon the show would probably be would be a better choice than a uh, than a movie. Mm. What do you reckon, yeah, Joe? No. Yeah, I was just I would have said movie, but. After listening to you guys and, and Stephen mentioned Daredevil and stuff, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think a TV series would be better. It'd have to be, um, it'd have to be spot on though. Like, you'd have to. The reason I think Daredevil works so well, um, and I'm not a huge fan of Arrow personally because it changes way too much. But Daredevil got got the tone and everything exactly right. And um, I think you'd have to, for it to really work, I think you'd have to have people that knew the character inside out. Um, yeah. And well, then 
you'd have to decide who your audience is because the Phantom, you know, you could have the 1996 movie where it's for everyone, or you could have it, you know, slight because the Phantom does lend him more adult. Um, you know, whether you wanted to go that down that route as well. So, yeah, but I, I think a TV series would be cool. Ben Rab, the uh, actually does TV shows now, so maybe we need to get him to do some TV <laughs> episodes. Like he, do, yeah. he did um, Warehouse, and I think he's doing Beauty and the Beast at the moment. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So cool. maybe we need to get. Maybe he needs to start writing some Phantom stories. Yeah, exactly. uh, for TV. Well, how long has it been since that last one, the the Sci-Fi Channel tried to do? Because that's that'd be fair. That'd be about, about ten years, years, wouldn't it? Maybe? Four years. Oh, okay. So oh, Sci-Fi. So, because, not enough. Yeah, four years. Because I know Hollywood seems to, if something doesn't work, they don't seem to like to touch it too quickly. Um, yeah. So yeah. So we probably won't see another Fantastic oh, Four movie for about wrong. 20 years. <laughs> but anyway. All right, anyway, sorry, Stephen. Continue on with your three. Um, oh, I mentioned this earlier. To see the triads in one issue, that would be... No! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Actually, what, when you were talking about... Uh, what was your favourite? Was it the... Um, uh, was it the the oh the Devil's Brotherhood about the um was that another a- Asian crime gang one right mm. I think yeah, that was yeah. yeah well if they're going to go themes for um for the the annual well there we go we've got Asian crime gang theme right there you can put the triads in there you can put the Devil's um Brotherhood in there and and yeah there we go. <laughs> so I'm sure there's another couple of stories you can stick in there and there's your 300 page. Yeah, so uh, he's got you there, Jermaine. Yeah, what's your third one? <laughs> I don't have a third one. <laughs> <laughs> right, Jermaine, off you go. <laughs> okay, well, I've got three. So the first one is... is Now, I don't know if anyone's seen uh, the Chronicle issues that Egmont have done. Mm-hmm. So basically what they've done is they start with the first fan... They're doing them in like some. They've kind of collected them in hardcover, but they didn't start off in hardcover. Where basically, they released, they did all of the stories about the first Phantom, and they kind of like published them all, and then they went with the second Phantom, and then the third Phantom, and they went all the way, kind of like what Moonstone did with their generations, but they only did it with one story. Where Egmont kind of did them with all the stories, so. In an ideal world, things I would like to see, you know, when Frug, you know, starts bringing lots of money and they can experiment with things like this. That's something <laughs> I would like to see is, because um, I've got a couple of these Egmont ones, and you flick through them, and it's 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 good fun. Or I reckon it'll be good fun in reading all the stories about the first fandom in one issue or in a couple of issues that you know are released next to each other, and then you can go to the second fandom. So that's probably my, my, the first thing I would like to see. Um, I have to echo what Steve said about the TV show. I reckon that would be brilliant. Um, another thing I would like to see is, does everyone remember the uh, trading card and the phone card series from the 
early nineties. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and like we never got to we never got the end of the story. Yeah, that's true. Now I don't know about you, but that 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 that, that irritates me. <laughs> um, I like yeah. to have things finished. Um. So I would I would like you know whether it's released as a a trading card set or they do it as a comic or even a web comic. I would like to see the ending of that series. So we've got the first one where the Phantom um, meets Sherlock Holmes and he's basically falling off the cliff or falling off the the, the building in, um, uh, what do you call it, um, London. And then you've got the story of Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan um, with the poachers. And yep. then you've got the third one, which is the phone card series, which was something to do with the Nile or the Queen of the Nile or, or something like that. So I would like to see an ending to those. And then the third thing I would like to see, and this is because I'm really jealous because I'm too young and I didn't get to live through it, but back in the 80s and 90s when you have had the Phantom Club, you had all the products that they used to sell, Monkeys of Melbourne, Granny Mays, that, all that stuff that basically you could just go to Carousel or the main shopping centre, go into one of the shops and you could buy Phantom stuff rather than yeah. having to try and outbid each other. Now, I would you know, love to be able to live through an era like that. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. It'd be nice for it to come around again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that would be awesome. Well, that actually gives me a really nice segue into my three things. Because one of the things I'm really looking forward to in the future is seeing what else Icon Collectibles released. Because all their stuff so far has been so good and so f- affordable. Um, I can't wait to, to see what else they bring out. Um, one, one of my other things, uh, just to annoy Jermaine, would be for Fru to start collecting multi-part stories in the one volume. Um, as long as they haven't printed them before, I'm fine with it. Well, see, I, I don't. That doesn't worry me too much because, and we've talked about this on the show before. The problem with how Fru does it at the moment is you'll have part one, two or three issues that have nothing to do with part one, and then part two. And I think just to have them all in one volume, you could put it in bookstores, you could um, you know, make it more of a graphic novel thing, and I think it would help not only through monetarily, but it will help get you know, the Phantom out there a bit more. Um, because true, true. graphic novel, people buying graphic novels has gone up a lot in the last couple of years. So you know, to have the Phantom out there a bit more would, would be great. But we've banged on about that a fair bit on this show before, so I it won't go also, into it anymore. Um, it would also help for... Because um, uh, a lot of shops only do graphic novels and also libraries, which was something we yep. talked about with Jeremy McPherson as well. Yep, and even um, you know for, for newer readers, like, um, you know... There's, I'm sure there's people out there that have never read, say, the Ibis Mystery or um, Election in Mangala that we've read before, and you know to have a an easily 
um, attainable copy of that, it would would be great rather than you know having to wade through back issue bins and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, like I said, we've talked about that before. So my third thing, and this is something I've I've thought about a lot over the last little while, is I would love, and I don't know what the legalities of this are, but I would love to see the Avon novel series reprinted. Now, um, mm. it, it either be in physical, um, a physical printing, so you know, reprint each of the individual books or in one big collection, or digital as ebooks, and you know, you buy them off Amazon or whatever for your Kindle or you know, the Google Play Store, anything like that, because the stories, at least the ones I've read, and I, I have most of them, but I think I'm missing three, and I've also read, um, I think, four or five of them. They, they are all fairly good, and it's a very different... The way the Phantom is presented in those, even the ones written by Lee Fork, is very different to the way he's presented in the comics. Um, he's much more mysterious, yeah. and he's very much in the shadows, and, you know, that's that sort of thing. Um so yeah, to have those reprinted, I think think would be absolutely wonderful. Because even if you do have the the original copies, you don't want to read them for fear of them falling apart because they're just paperback. <laughs> um, and I know when yeah. I when I've read mine, and I've only read each one once, I'm so careful with it, you know, because I don't don't want it to fall apart. But um, yeah, so that that would probably be my biggest thing to see those reprinted in some form or another. That's so great. I reckon, and then they could like um. Uh, like with the prose stories that Moonstone did, like do like a like a nice drawing, like for each you know each couple of pages and stuff like that. Mm. That would be quite nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, or even just include you know the the covers from the novels because God, those things are beautiful. They're all if if you yeah. haven't seen them, they're all painted and lovely. And oh yeah, they're great. They're great. I've I've read all of those novels. I think they were actually the last book I actually read when I was and I think I got them when I was about 14, 15 so I don't think I've read a book since um, or a complete book um, <laughs> but yeah, they, they were amazing stories and yeah, they're the really good thing about it is, is they were able to like delve deeper in the stories and they were all kind of like um, modified off newspaper stories but yeah. they went in more detail, and like, I remember reading the Golden Circle one. Um, again, this is one of my favorite, more favorite stories. But when he's thrown down the um, uh, the what do you call it, um, the the hole in the ground or something like that in the river, he um, uh, you know there's there's like a whole chapter on that actual whole scene where yeah, in the comic strip it's done in like you know two of you know probably about four panels. Yeah. Um, and there was another one which was really good read was The Mysterious Ambassador as well. That was probably one of my, my more favourite of the Avon novels. So, yeah, I reckon that's a good call on the Avon novels. Yeah, right. Up. We'll have to see who owns the copyright and get into get into it and get it sorted. <laughs> Righto. Um, well, I think that probably does it for our top three episode. Is there anything else you guys want to mention before we wrap this up? Nope. No, I'm done. Thanks. Done. Yeah, cool. So, Steve, all your half preparing is finished. Yep. <laughs> Worked that well, man. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Right, guys. Well, thank you very much for giving us your top three, and thank you everyone um, for listening. Of course, you can find us at chroniclechamber.com for the main website. 
we're on Facebook. Just search Chronicle Chamber or um, Phantom Collector to post and geek out about all various Phantom collectibles. We're on Google Plus. We're on Twitter um, at Chronicle underscore Tweet. And if you don't want to just search, just go to the main website and you'll find links to all of those things. Or you can email us at chroniclechamber at gmail.com. If you're downloading this via iTunes, please chuck up a quick review um, to let us know what you think of the show and what we could improve. Um, and, yeah, once again, thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back with uh, episode tw- uh, episode 30 sorry, in a couple of weeks' time talking Ooh. about all the new... Um, all the news and new issues and good stuff like that there. Right. Catch you later, everybody. Bye. See ya. Have a good one.